Mama Sundry presents Kitchen Talk, a conversation series that today will explore a not so playful but still nuanced conversation about an aquifer. If you're anything like me, you'll be asking yourself, what the hell is an aquifer? Well, an aquifer is a body of permeable rock which can contain or transmit groundwater. Today, we're having a conversation with Mercedes Birch of Protect Our Aquifer in Memphis, Tennessee. This conversation is highly informative. And if you can't figure out why it would be valuable to you, because it's based in Memphis, take a listen and you might just learn something. Well, that's enough of that. Go ahead and get yourself a tall glass of H2O. Ice it if you're nasty, or drink it room temp if you're smart. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and dive on in. Make it better for me. Make it better for me, mama. Make it better for me. Make it better for me, mama. Make it better for me. Make it better for me. Mama, make it better for me. Make it better. Hello out there. Welcome to the table. <laughs> I like that. You do? I like that. Thank you yes. so much, Mama. We've got Talib Safiya in the place to be per usual. We have Nikki. And Mama Sadio. Yes, yes, y'all. We have um, a special guest this week. We do have a special guest this week because we have a special conversation to have this week. We're talking a little bit about water health in mm-hmm. the city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's an extremely conversation because extremely important conversation. Okay, I was wondering what happened there. <laughs> We're getting there, y'all. Yeah, because, getting there. I mean, water is the elixir of life. It keeps us going. It keeps us well, right? It does. It does. Unless, um, unless I'm I'm actually really sad that we even have to have this conversation. You know, like I'm really sad that it is a necessity. That we have to have this conversation. I'm sad that we have to have a lot of conversations. That's true. Especially because Memphis, for a lot of my life, I feel like my childhood, Memphis has been highly celebrated for the quality of our water, for the taste of our water. And I remember when I went to college, I went to D.C. and then I went to New York and my skin broke out and the water tasted like toilet water. And we always would brag about how great Mm -hmm. the water in Memphis is. And now I probably haven't been drinking tap water since I moved back home in 2017 and that's something that I really miss like I used to just come in the house from playing outside and put my head under the sink and a party was had and that party is no longer being had (laughs) no it's not not. I'm not an expert on it but I know it's messed up we do have an expert though yes we have Mercedes with protect our aquifer yes hey y'all how's it going Thank you so much for joining us this yeah, week. Thanks for having me. How are you feeling? Excited. I'm feeling good. Okay. Yeah. Also an Aquarius. So. See. Oh wow. Oh, not us having the two Aquarius while we on here talking about water. We got our water sign showing right. us. That's pretty we cool. Care about humanity. Yes. Yes. I get fed up with humanity, but I care. I feel that. Your face looks like you care, y'all. I wish y'all could see Nikki's face right now. She cares from a distance. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we do have an expert here. So, because yes. people have questions. I so. have questions. Mm-hmm. And I think Mercedes is going to give us some answers. Hopefully. So, let's get into it. So, describe your role with Protect Our Aquifer. Yeah. Um, I'm um, operations director at Protect Our Aquifer. So, 
we're a small group. Um, I, there are three of us on staff and I'm the second hire. Mm-hmm. So we're very young. We've only existed for about six years now. Um, and a lot of our work was board led at the start. So we've got a really active and engaged board of directors who mm-hmm. were leading a lot of the initial advocacy work. And it's just been in the past two years that we've really like grown up and hired staff and, and oh. become a real, Business. real nonprofit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so my job is a lot of figuring out how we sustain ourselves as a nonprofit and how do we keep doing the advocacy work that is really core to who we are, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, what are we offering? How are we putting ourselves into the nonprofit world? And, and as advocates, it's kind of a, like a, a round peg square hole situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, that's a lot of the challenges for us to think about. Okay, I know a lot of us, we want to know how is water supplied throughout Memphis and how clean, safe is our drinking water, like any contaminants? Like how, how does that whole process work? Yeah, so great question. So um, we get our, our water from the Memphis Sand Aquifer. So it's an underground formation, like 400 feet below ground. Um, it is protected by a layer of clay. It's called the confining clay layer. Mm-hmm. And then below that clay is it's it's some people think it's just kind of like this big lake that's underground. It's not the case. It's like wet sand. Like if you dig deep enough at the beach and you start to get to that mm-hmm. area where the, the sand is kind of wet and saturated, mm-hmm. that's where our water comes from. And so here in the city of Memphis, um, MLG and W pumps water. So they drill down through, you know, the shallow aquifer and then through the clay layer and then down into that really good Memphis sands. And they pump up water through a bunch of well fields. Um, I used to think that those well fields were kind of like, oh, and there's a well field on a hill. (laughs) But that's absolutely not the case. Um, They're scattered about the city. um, And they're, you know, you'll, some of them are in residential neighborhoods. So you'll see a well next to a house and no one really knows what it is. It's just kind of an MLGW utility building. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then they go in drilling. So they drill and then they pump up water and then the water gets sent to these treatment stations. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have, uh, I guess the closest one would be up on North Parkway, uh, Mallory, these stations where if you've ever like ridden your bike by or walked by, you can kind of feel a mist coming off of these buildings. Mm-hmm. So they send the water that they pumped to those treatment stations and they kind of let them let the water flow down and they hit various things to like aerate the water. And they add a little bit of chlorine and um, very minimal, you know, additives to try and clean it up and add the fluoride that they need to and those types of things. Um, And then they send it out to um, the city. And so that's kind of an interconnected network Mm -hmm. across Memphis. Um, Out east, Germantown, Collierville, they have their own sort of public works that have the same sort of system, but it's self-contained. So if you saw like in Germantown, uh, there was a diesel spill a couple yeah, of weeks ago. On that, the southern. Yeah, it yeah, was plant, huge. Yeah. So that didn't affect the city of Memphis yeah. because their public works is on a wholly separate system. Mm. So, But we're all drinking from the same source. Okay. Um, and Memphis is actually the biggest city that fully relies on groundwater. Hmm. Wow. Is, it's the only, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal that we're fully dependent on our groundwater. So I heard you um, say that they go in and add additives like chlorine and fluoride. How safe is that for us to be drinking those kind of metals and things like that? Yeah, I mean, they're essentially EPA sets out required minimums for treatment of water. Um, And so, you know, the fluoride thing is like for our teeth health. It's been kind of a historical thing. 
Um, but, but what we're in a really good position to where we're adding like the bare minimum requirements, um, and we're not having to mess with our water very much. Whereas in other places where they're getting city from their water from rivers or other sources of water that aren't as amazing as ours, they have to do a lot more treatment to get okay. their water up to par. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's pretty minimal what we have to add. So on a scale of one to 10, how safe would you say our water is? Oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> So I, I think, I think currently, um, our water is safe to drink out of the tap. I mean, lead pipes are an issue that, um, Mm -hmm. there are other groups that are advocating around lead pipe replacement because the city can replace lead pipes, but only so far. And so if your home has lead pipes, then how do you replace? It's a really complicated Mm -hmm. issue in and of Mm -hmm. itself. So that's, that's always going to be a factor. Um, in terms of contaminants, you know, our water that's coming out of the tap is being tested um, and it's safe to drink. I think for Protect Our Aquifer, the concern is that there are a lot of threats of contamination that we think are kind of these like ticking time bombs, if you will, in mm-hmm. the earth of um, Memphis is a very industrial town, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're kind of rooted in industry and it's what, you know, it's what's going to help Memphis to grow as well. You know, our good water is an asset to some extent. Um, but that industrial history comes with a legacy of pollution. Yes. So today industries are heavily regulated. They can't just like dump their chemicals out the back door, mm-hmm. but you know, before the EPA came around in the seventies, it was kind of like dry cleaners could dump their dry cleaning chemicals out in the backyard, you know, yeah. or yeah. anyone could, you know, it was like, the solution to pollution is dilution was the catchphrase. <laughs> oh, and so wow. we're just going to like dump it in the water and That's we'll take care of it. <laughs> That's scary. So where well, is wastewater gro- going now to be treated? Yeah. So um, we send our wastewater ultimately to the Mississippi river. Um, and so, um, which, you know, which is why we need to protect our aquifer so that we don't put ourselves in a position where we contaminate it and have to drink from the river. Right. <laughs> oh, but yeah. um, our wastewater. Yeah. <laughs> our wastewater goes through treatment plants uh-huh. and through various streams that ultimately feed into the Mississippi. I, Nikki's being very professional with her questions <laughs> as she should be. I'm just, I'm just so interested. The question that I have is, do you drink the tap water? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I, I've, so you can go onto MLGW's website and they have a map where you can check if your house has lead or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of rely on that and, and trust to some extent the water that comes out of the tap in my home. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Uh, that's just me. Yeah, that's I mean, a I have good filters. thing to know. I have tap. Yeah. You're, you're talking about being professional. The question is, do you trust the EPA and MLGW? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> with I mean, their information. That part. But I mean, whatever she's, <laughs> no, if she's drinking it, that's, a, that's what that's I need a, to know. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that question because... We can be, I know I can be a bit of a just like conspiracy theorist because of a lack of trust Mm -hmm. in the systems that give us information, which is why we're so glad to have you on the show. Um, And especially even like considering what neighborhoods we live in. We live Mm -hmm. in South Memphis, which, you know, things in South Memphis are older than other places. But Mm -hmm. that's going off like even like a speculation and even for me, just a simple preference to have certain types of water, but also just to know 
to know that there are resources for us to be able to check on the safety of the water in our particular neighborhoods is extremely valuable. So that space that where we can find out on MLG and W, I'm going to make sure that I find the exact link right. and put it in the show notes for our Memphis folks to be able to check out if they're in a safe space for the water. Right. Or- yeah. I mean, I think that speculation is it's healthy and needed. Um, you know, you mentioned South Memphis. Um, you know, I'm in South Memphis as well, and so Allen Wellfield is a spe- is a specific concern. So that's the the Wellfield that's located in South Memphis, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> there's uh, a lot of arsenic contamination, um, and that's there's a there's a lot of specific industrial pollution stories we can tell but um there have been instances of mlgw having to shut down wells in the allen Wellfield in south memphis because of arsenic contamination mm-hmm. so it's it's infrastructure mm-hmm. it's you know the the differences in in mlgw's handling of of infrastructure and letting it get old in certain neighborhoods and not in others and all that is tied to race um so i think speculation is necessary and um, what our group is trying to push for um, when you when you start peeling back the layers of like who's really responsible for making sure our water is safe, mm-hmm. you start to see that the systems aren't really there mm-hmm. that should be there. They aren't real. Yeah. So beyond just drinking, though, in those neighborhoods that there is concern, you know, especially in South Memphis, because we we live there. Um, what about bathing, you know, or like washing your hair, brushing your teeth, all of those things? Um, are we at a level in any of our areas in Memphis that we should be concerned about those things as well? No, I, I mean, you know, the, the instance in Germantown was a really really uh, scary situation mm-hmm. where, you know, they weren't allowed to use their water for anything but flushing their toilets. Wow. There's and, still some areas that still can't use their yeah, water. Yeah. And it's been, you know, they've been doing sniff tests mm-hmm. to, you know, telling people like, oh, smell the water that comes out of your tap. If it doesn't smell like diesel, it's safe to use again. Oh. And it's like, we just came out of an era of COVID where people have yes. experienced long COVID systems where they can't, you know, maybe they've lost their ability to right. smell and you're telling them like, just mm-hmm. sniff your water and mm-hmm. that'll tell you whether or not it has diesel. That like, sounds crazy. What? Yeah. <laughs> but I can say it was really, really strong. Like you could smell it. Wow. Like them, they opened like the fire hydrant. So I live in Germantown. Mm-hmm. So oh, they yes, you know. opened out, opened the hydrants and you could smell it like throughout the city. Like it was very, very strong. Oh, wow. So what were, what was the methods that y'all had to use to stay safe and where are you and your family with it now? So we kind of like, um, with family, like when they first, like, um, they told us of like, Hey, yeah, the water is not safe. Like, do a lot of things with water, brushing our teeth, laundry, all those things, bathing, mm-hmm. especially. So um, we were with family for a few days and then after that, bottled water. But we're kind of like really on that line of Memphis and Germantown. So it didn't hit us as hard because we're not directly in the center. Mm-hmm. So it kind of eased up on us probably like a week later. Okay. And that situation, too, shows kind of the like the ticking time bomb sort of approach that we've been thinking about. Right. The reason why that diesel spill happened, right, was because our power infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, we the power went out, and so the water pumping station was running on a diesel generator that was located oh. on top of a, an underground water <laughs> reservoir. Yeah. And so when they failed to refill it appropriately and spilled diesel into the earth, that was how it made its way into the water. So the reason why that situation happened was because of the power 
infrastructure issues that we see in other parts of our city. And I mean, we have tons of blackouts where I live in South Memphis. It's a whole other issue. Yeah. We had one last week. Yep. And so as we continue to see with like climate change accelerating and these big storms and, you know, every time there's a storm and then there's a bull water advisory Mm -hmm. because, you know, we can't pump our water to the right pressure that we need to ensure that it's staying pressurized and safe. All of that is, you know, unless we, we get our infrastructure yeah. updated and repaired and not relying on things that were built in like the fifties. Exactly. Um, we're going to, it's we're I think we're one crisis away from, from something really bad. And it's unfortunate that it takes a crisis to get mm-hmm. people to start to pay attention mm-hmm. to this, yeah. you know, like the, the Germantown diesel mm-hmm. thing was a huge wake up call. We got tons of people reaching out to us from Germantown. Like, what do y'all do? What, how can we get involved? And it's like, I'm happy to support and like be there, but I, I just, I hate that it's like it takes a crisis to get people to pay attention. Yeah. yeah. Well, can you answer that question for us right now? What is it? How to get involved? <laughs> because <laughs> we are a part of that group of people, I think, that mm-hmm. hadn't really been aware of um, what type of things we can do to support or mm-hmm. the fact that we are one crisis away from like changing just the culture of our city as it relates to water. So yeah. we would love to know what we can do to support things we might need to be aware of um, Mm -hmm. and how our audience can be a part of that as well. Yeah. So we have, um, so there are a lot of issues that we're taking. We we advocate on specific issues as they come up, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of been our MO from the start. Um, We were born challenging uh, TVA's water wells at their Mm -hmm. gas power plant. And then, you know, the Behelia pipeline fight was a huge Mm -hmm. movement. And so there are, constant issues that are are popping up and we're trying to prioritize like what's the next mm-hmm. what's the next fight and so where you can get information on that current fight is on our website it's protectouraquifer.org slash now is like the now page mm-hmm. where the latest action is and a lot of that like what what does that advocacy look like um, it's a lot of uh, currently for instance we're trying to get TVA to diversify their water source so I could give you like the whole what TVA, is TVA? Yeah, yeah so okay rabbit holes <laughs> or it's just what Tennessee is this Valley authority, Tennessee right? Valley yep. authority. Okay. and so they used to have a um coal power plant on president's island mm-hmm. and you know coal produces coal ash as a byproduct which is terrible for you breathe it in it's awful yeah and so this is where kind of like air pollution water pollution overlap and so what they did was they cleaned out their their systems by running water through the coal ash and so they made these big coal ash ponds on site and so they essentially are just these huge ponds that hold the coal ash and keep it from floating around in the air so that the workers on site didn't breathe it in um because the epa stepped in and said y'all gotta fix your emissions like y'all are way above requirements they decided to uh, shut that plant down and their plan solution was to build the combined cycle plant that's directly across the street. And so that combined cycle plant uses a ton of water. They're one of the biggest water user users in Shelby County. Um, they're like chronically, they're like the top five users and wow. they're like chronically oh, in the top wow. five. Mm-hmm. And so they use that water to like cool their power plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were originally going to drill they did drill five wells on site into the aquifer. And we were like, whoa, you're directly across the street from coal ash ponds. Mm-hmm. Like, so then there was, so we sued them. It was this like crazy legal fight. That was our origin story. Yeah. And it was ultimately this like scientific intervention that helped them prove. So they ran the pumps or ran the the wells and it showed that the, 
the wells started pooling the contaminants through. So there's a breach in the clay layer. So like Mm -hmm. a gap in that clay. And so it showed that there was like a hydrologic connection between those coal ash ponds and our aquifer. Yeah. I was just going to say, wouldn't they go into our soil? Yes, exactly. exactly what happened. Yep. It was, it's just like in Memphis, we have the shallow aquifer and we've just kind of been like, eh, you know, it's polluted. Like there's not really anything we can do about it, but we've got this clay layer that protects our water below. So we don't have to worry, you know, mm-hmm. but there's been, so Caesar at the university of Memphis has mm-hmm. been doing tons of research and they've found way more breaches in that clay layer than they thought that there were. Mm-hmm. So there's tons of gaps and they call them windows where the contaminated stuff above can move down into the good stuff. And so we fought them at TVA and got them to, now they can't use those wells, but they still use water from the Memphis Sand Aquifer. They just buy it from MLG and W, which puts a strain on the surrounding well field that has to produce so much water that they're using. And so that's when we start to see arsenic getting pulled into drinking water wells in South Memphis we see a correlation, yeah. right? And so what we're trying to get um, TBA to do is to diversify their water source. So there's a wastewater treatment plant, the Maxon plant right next door that they could pull treated water from and use it on their, at, yes. like in their facility. Just reuse that wastewater, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get them to diversify. So we have some email campaigns mm-hmm. to like MLGW's board of directors and TBA's board of directors to try and get them to like come to reason and... It'll cost them more, but ultimately, it's, it's better for the world. It's, it's their pollution, so they have to pay. For, they should pay for their own pollution. Yeah, so. exactly. So that's one issue. And then on top of that, you know, if they like, if they had gotten those private wells like on site, mm-hmm. um, private well users in this city pay a hundred dollars a year, and they can pump as much water as they want. What? Mm. Yeah. And if they then have to, if they buy their water from MLG and W. Are we essentially like wholesale our water? So it's cheaper the more water you use. So TVA is paying less per gallon of water than all of us are. So we're trying. So these are all these things we're trying to like push for, to reform and and take these specific actions on. And it's the three of y'all. There are three staff. of us. <laughs> so they definitely need some help. Yes, we need to definitely get involved. Today's conversation is brought to you by AgLaunch. AgLaunch is a nonprofit organization utilizing a farm-centric innovation platform to efficiently bring new ideas into agriculture. We're super thankful for our fam at AgLaunch for supporting our journey and helping us to keep bringing y'all to the table. program that um, I think helps is a, is a good way to get involved is that we're starting this fellows program um, mm-hmm. where we're trying to train community activists who already are in, interested in environmental activism or have connections in their community and just like want to learn more about how all this complex aquifer stuff works mm-hmm. um, it's a training program where they'll go through it's a nine-month program the first chunk of it is a really deep dive training with our staff uh, and then we're offering its support of staff and funding for those activists to pick a specific issue in their neighborhood and launch a campaign or, you know, get people to send emails or yard signs or stage a protest or mm-hmm. whatever they want to do to to act on this specific issue in their neighborhood. 
What's um, the is there a financial aspect to that fellowship? Yes, there is. It's their paid positions, okay. um, twenty dollars an hour, okay. estimated part time, twenty mm-hmm. hours a week or so for okay. the full duration. And then there's a we have a budget to support their act you know, whatever protests they want to launch or campaign. So is that open currently? We just opened it up. Yeah. So the deadline is the 22nd, September 22nd. And the the neighborhood we're focusing in is Southwest Memphis because TVA and Mm -hmm. Valero and all, they have a heavy concentration of these polluters. So lots of, lots of room for advocacy there. It's crazy to see how close uh, family homes are to those spaces. And it, it just, in the area, you can see, um, I don't want to say death. That's a horrible thing to say. But I think we should start using those those terms so people can really get an idea of what's really going on. Because we use these words to kind of mask the the how intense the situation exactly. is. Exactly. It is death. Yeah. Like, that's what we're experiencing in health and land and air pollution. Like, it's all, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask because I know this is a national issue. It is not just not just in Memphis, not just in Tennessee, but it is everywhere. And we do have listeners that are in other spaces. And so is there any um, cooperation that goes on with the different organizations across the country? Do you all have like conferences and things like to bounce ideas off of each other and to maybe give you some foresight based on how far someone else is uh, city has gone and you know what to do. I love that question. Oh, <laughs> so uh, short answer, there's not like a network that's like, we go to this aquifer convention every year. I wish that there was. Um, there, uh, uh, there, are, there are other models, though, that we've been trying to learn from. So in Texas, there's this group called the Edwards Aquifer Authority. Um, and so like San Antonio, Austin, like there's this mm-hmm. huge aquifer. Now their aquifer is different from ours. It's karst. So while ours is like sand, theirs is like cenotes and underground caves oh. and like it's, oh, it's a little painful. more dynamic. And so they have this incredible regional authority that has all of this extra protection of their aquifer in terms of development, in terms of zoning. They have a, it's it's a really great model. Um and and it's an interesting case because they uh, came to get all these protections in place because they discovered that a salamander that was uh, on the extinction list lives exclusively in their aquifer. Whoa. And so they were able to use the Endangered Species Act Whoa. to get like federal protection. Wow, nice. that's nice. Yeah, and so we share a board member with Edwards Aquifer Authority, and so she's a really great resource, and we try and share information and learn from them and like what's our golden salamander you know yes Mm -hmm. yes so sad that it can't just be the people i know right you know (laughs) you you would think for real (laughs) right damn we care more about our salamanders um but yeah and so regionally too so i haven't even talked about this but our aquifer is like shaped like a bathtub and so there are kind of areas on the edges mm-hmm. of the bathtub where there's no clay at all. It's called the recharge zone. And that's where the sands come up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So if you go out to like Fayette County, Tipton, Haywood, that's all the recharge zone out there. So there's no clay protecting the sands. And and it's called the recharge because that's where most of the rainwater comes down and replenishes, you know, mm-hmm. the water okay. that, you know, we know it's like 2000 years old when it mm-hmm. comes out of the tap is the number. So it's kind of moving in from the sands out there and like coming down the edges of the bathtub, I guess. Um, but out there, you know, 
Ford is developing this Blue Oval City plant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard about them? Yep. Yes. So it's gonna. So out there, it's currently super rural, uh, mm. super agricultural. Yeah. We know that you know Ford's been really progressive. We've been talking to them a lot, um, and they have some pretty progressive plans for what they're doing with their water. But we're really concerned about how that environment is going to change over it's the next years. Change. Oh yeah, and you know, are they going to? Like, are they just going to turn into Kmarts with parking lots that are not going to allow our aquifer to be recharged? Or, you know, are they going to put a bunch of other industrial facilities that could pollute our aquifer super easily? Mm -hmm. So we've started doing some, like, regional. We have this, like, delegation um, that we we formed last year of a bunch of regional, like, utility providers and, you know, all these different representatives across the region that we took to this event called the One Water Summit, which is a conference that's um, based in this theory of one water, which is like treating. So wastewater, utility water, stormwater are very siloed, right? They don't mm-hmm. really work together, which is silly to me because it's the damn water cycle, you know, like, <laughs> of course. But um, so one water is a theory of getting all these different groups together to work together and think about one water holistically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've been trying to get this group together to just think about it and and how can we be proactive about all this change that's going to happen in the yes. recharge zone definitely i'm glad about proactive. that i have another question um sadie so how can we get as as we know um and just being transparent there aren't many of us when i say black women black men in this space how can we show up more how can we get those opportunities because i'm pretty sure there are many more just like I do like that care about these kinds of things. Like how does that work for us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question too. Um, so I think it's, it's when, when you look at like all these utility providers from Mm -hmm. Jackson, like it's a lot of white dudes, you know, Mm -hmm. like the Germantown crisis, they had a town hall and it was like a panel of all (laughs) white middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like where am I? (laughs) (laughs) And so there's like this long-term, like, you know, we need to inject more diversity by having, you know, people of color study hydrogeology or these like scientific nerdy things that that are unfortunately like those are the prerequisites to get these positions yeah. of, mm. of like, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a remediation consultant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just unfortunately like those that's that field. And so, you know, in the short term and not the long range, like how do we get our youth yeah. to get involved? Um, that I mean, that's a really great question. And I and I, you know, we've been trying to build this fellows program as a way to kind of help because protect our aquifer, our 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 network, our board is is very midtown white. But also that comes with a lot of privilege of access, privilege mm-hmm. of like expertise. Like mm-hmm. we have these. Southern Environmental Law Center is a really great group of lawyers who do pro bono work for us. Um, And, you know, we have connections to politicians in town. So we have all of this privilege that I really, you know, POA is acknowledging and trying to like, okay, how can we get that in the hands of people who don't have that privilege? Yeah, the residents, especially. I feel like we should pull more from the people that the community that's being more affected, like mm-hmm. they need to be the ones speaking for themselves instead of always having this board. Totally. Of yeah. people speaking for them that don't live in the community. Yeah. And it takes a lot of trust and, you know, POA is young. And like I said, yeah, we're white midtowny, So we've got a lot of work ahead yeah. of ourselves to build that trust and get that movement on a broader scale. So as far as the fellowship is the prerequisite of having studied 
is that a part of the fellowship? No. Okay. There's no, yep. No prerequisite. The prerequisite is that you have a connection to the neighborhood that we're focusing that fellowship oh, on. Okay. Yeah. So okay, you've okay. got to have some connection to 38109, 38106, Southwest Memphis. You could know nothing about our drinking water. You could know nothing about hydrogeology and mm-hmm. that's who we want to help support. Wow. Okay. That's really we'll good. Definitely that's good to be able to share that link. Do y'all have a link for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll for sure have that link in our in our show notes. And we have some relationships with folks in South Memphis like I might have to hit up historic Claiborne Temple and see, you know, yeah. Yeah. The, with their relationships. A few people out there. Yep. Yep. I think that part of it for us though is there's an unlearning that has to happen because people are still holding on to the idea of Memphis having the best water. You know, we're, we're not understanding, you know, cause there's constantly um, things being put out and there are small groups that are working on um, the environment in South Memphis and things like that. But I don't think they're being heard, you mm-hmm. know, because people are like, we good on water. My water comes out clear. <laughs> it's clean. It's whatever. Yeah. It's a, an unlearning that's going to have to happen for us, you know, recognizing that this isn't the same water, you know. Um, I think it's partly like language too, like mm-hmm. how th- this is really complex language that doesn't always feel like people can understand it easily. So that's part one of the things that we want to do just as Mama Sundry is kind kind of be translators so that folks can get this type of information and it gets become simpler and and easier to understand. I could say I've learned a whole lot I've today. I've learned so much. <laughs> Just lot. the bathtub analogy <laughs> was like, okay, yeah, okay, I see that. Yeah. And I think that kind of conversation, like you said, breaking it down in a way, because um, it can get extremely scientific from what Real we fast. hear. Yeah, yes. but being able to understand and having somebody – um, in between that can translate. It's great. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. This was a great. I feel good. I, you know, I like these kind of topics. Yeah, too. I'm I'm so thankful that you came. Yeah. Thank yes. you so much for having me. It's yeah. It was so fun. We yeah. learned a lot. Thank you. We're going we we'll to bring you back because we yeah. want to talk about some more things. Please yes. do. Yeah, and I know you have a lot more <laughs> information. Yes. And we'd love to get updates on how the fellowship hunt has gone. Yeah, and sure. hopefully we'll be able to connect with some people that could really be of support and that are based in these communities and, and really want to do this work. Yeah. So. yeah. Even yes. collaborating with PO in the future however we can that would be really great yeah Ooh. so everyone has that bridge for the community we would yeah. love to uh-huh. come up with some kind of concept I love that that'd be amazing we absolutely will do that I'm Thank planting you. the seed that that is a real yeah. it's a necessity so yeah I mean because I can't really in this moment think of much more anything that's much more important than our water, water. like yeah. we can survive without a lot of things but we cannot survive without water and so to think about that even if you're not a regular water drinker everything in your life is affected by the water yes um that you have access to and so that can that creates and destroys civilizations the access to clean water so we really need to um, pay more attention so yes. thank you Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Yeah. Thank you for your work. Yeah. Thank you for showing up. And Mama Sundry team, Memphis, Tennessee, U.S. peoples, get your shit together and let's get a part of this cleaning our water. Yeah, campaign. and yes. cleaning water, clean water is not a privilege. It is a right. Everyone deserves clean water.
water. We all mm-hmm. deserve clean water. Yep. Absolutely. Did you have any last things you wanted to share, Mercedes? Or my any ladies? resources or anything? I don't. I, I think we hit it all. Yeah, this, this has been great. We yeah. hit quite Wonderful. a lot. But yeah. I will ask you for some resources that we can yes, put in our I'll show share. notes for yeah. afterwards. Yeah, for sure. yes. absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank y'all so much. We look forward to chatting with y'all again next week. Make sure that you check us out on Instagram at mamas.sundry and just let us know what you think about this episode. Are you interested in learning more? Would you like us to send you some direct links to this type of information? Because this is the good stuff. This is the important stuff. And we love y'all. We appreciate y'all so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Hear us next time. Oh, I was like, why is she making that face? Hear us next time, y'all. <laughs> Make it better for me, make it better for me. I'ma make it better for me, make it better for me, so I can make it better for my babies. Mama, make it better for me, make it better for me. Mama, make it better for me, make it better for me, so I can make it better for my babies. Mama, make it better for me, make it better for me. Oh. I'ma make it better for me, make it better for me, so I can make it better for my baby. I'ma make it better for me, make it better for me. Oh no, that's the mama make it better for me, make it better for me, mama make it better for me, make it better for me, mama make it better for me, make it better for me, make it better for me. Oh.